0: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Folks, the media is not helping. Obviously, a very troubling weekend. A lot of bad information out there. A lot of information that's bad out there. That's not the same thing. Bad information and information that's bad. I've got a lot on that today. Obviously, a lot of updates on the coronavirus some updates also on some other big stories. Loaded show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your data from prying eyes. Do it today at expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show on a somber Monday. Producer Joe, how are you today, sir? Oh, uh, man, I'm doing okay. Ready to move, al- move mm-hmm. along. That's all we can do, brother. That's all we There's can do. There's not much to say right. um, about the, uh, but we will put out facts and data. So yeah. you're informed, folks. Um I got that. I've got another story also I want to cover later in the show about how the media is not helping here in a number of different situations. They're already hurting us during the election, hurting us during this coronavirus thing, and it's a damn shame. All right, let's get to the content. Today's show brought to you by buddies at Bravo Company Manufacturing. When our founding fathers crafted the Constitution, the first thing they did was ensure the rights of an individual to share ideas without limitation by government. You know how strongly I feel about freedom of speech? I also feel strongly about your individual big R, God-given right with a big R to defend yourself and your family. It is the most important right out there. Bravo Company Manufacturing makes the finest rifles out there. If you're in the market for a rifle or a firearm, Bravo Company Manufacturing should be your number one stop. They call themselves Bravo Company Manufacturing, BCM for short. Listen, it's not a sporting sporting arms company. If you're looking for hunting rifles, that's fine. There are a lot of great companies that do that. That's not what Bravo does. They make life-saving equipment that they manufacture to life-saving standards because they realize that their rifles at BCM could wind up in the hands of a responsible citizen, law enforcement, or a soldier overseas. And quality is the utmost important to them because they know, God forbid, you had to use it in a life-saving situation. They need it to function to the highest standards every single time. BCM puts people before their products. I have two of these rifles. They are the best. I These are my go-tos. I love these rifles. They are really super high quality. My opinion, the best out there. If you want to see more about Bravo Company, go to Bravo Company M like Mary, F like Frank, G like George.com, com. Discover more about their products, special offers, and upcoming news. Go today. That's BravoCompanyMFG.com or check out their YouTube channel. Well, they'll convince you there. It's a great YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash Company USA. Go today. All right, Joe. Let's go. All right. And they're off. Sad opening bell, but we need to do it. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, obviously we're going to hit the coronavirus first. The stock market upon opening today is down dramatically uh, between 5 and 7%, depending on what time you look. I am, I, again, I can't say this enough. It's not a financial advice show. I'm not here for financial advice. I believe in the power of the American economy. We've been through Spanish flu, two world wars, the Civil War, the American Revolution, Vietnam, the turbulent 60s, street chaos, street riots, and we have always... Always come out on top. Mm-hmm. I believe in the power of the American economy. And if listen, if I'm going down with the ship, then I always buy the dips because I believe in the power of the American economy and the American. That's not some talking point about running for office. I'm just telling you as an investment strategy: invest in America, you will almost always win. Again, I think the panic around coronavirus. The question, the only question here, is the the panic surrounding coronavirus. Again, not helped by many in the media. The price we're putting on coronavirus, which is now severe. We're in, like, severe mode now. Commensurate with the threat. I made this point over and over, and I will continue to do it like a broken record because it matters. The question is not, the is the coronavirus a threat? That is obvious. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is obviously a threat. Mm-hmm. And a serious one. Period. Full. Complete. Total. Stop. The question is, are the costs we're imposing on everyone— Panicked sell-offs, uh you sweeping out of, uh, of of toilet paper and hand sanitizer in, in stores, you can't even find some you know, toilet paper in some places. Are these commensurate with the threat? Or are they commensurate with the threat the media is telling you is the threat? Remember, sometimes the media is telling you a story, not the story. Now, for some honest fact-based coverage, which I think should calm some fears, hopefully. With a heightened state of vigilance, which we need, it's a serious threat. Right. But calm some unnecessary fears. Let's go to the Wall Street Journal today. I had a very good article. Committed to putting out an honest show in these really panicked times. Networks, Network effects multiply a viral threat. This is a piece by Niall Ferguson. He says, this isn't merely a bad flu season. COVID-19 is spreading far faster than most Americans realize. So this is kind of the bad news segment, but the news we need to hear regardless. I'm not here to cover anything up for anyone. I told you, I'm convinced based on substantive information I have, the administration, the Trump Pension Administration doing everything possible, to say everything within the bounds of their constitutional power, they can. Believe me, I'm not passing on Pravda propaganda like the left does. I'm telling you for a fact, everything they can do or could be considered is being done right now. Regarding the peace, here is the critical question right now, which I brought up for days, if not weeks. What is the r not the R-zero, the infection rate from the Wall Street Journal? Nobody's really sure. We're sure this is really infectious. We're sure of that. How infectious is the question? Again, it's not, is this an infectious virus? Of course. The question is, how infectious is it? From the Wall Street Journal piece. The swine flu, H1N1, was a form of influenza. The reproductive number, that's this R-naught I keep talking about, this R-zero, the number of people who a carrier will typically infect, R0 for short, for H1N1 was 1.75, meaning one carrier will infect close to two other people. Mm -hmm. In the U.S., the CDC estimates the H1N1 infected, the H1N1 flu, infected 60.8 million people and killed 12,469 for a mortality rate of 0.02%. Goes on, this new coronavirus, which is not influenza, appears to have a higher r naught and a much higher mortality rate. Obviously, folks, very bad news. That rate is almost certainly lower, however, than the WHO suggested last week of 3.4%, but it is still much higher than H1N1. South Korea, which probably has the most accurate data given its aggressive testing regimen, reports 50 deaths from 7,313 infections, a mortality rate of 0.68%. If as many Americans catch COVID-19 as caught swine flu, the death toll could exceed 440,000. Serious. Mm -hmm. Very serious. The question again, is not serious or not serious. It's how serious. The data embedded in that quote there are important. It's been reported by media types, I think, disingenuously, in many cases, that the death rate is close to 3.4%. You saw in the piece. Clearly, from the data from South Korea, an organized first world country with a pretty vibrant health system, South Korea is reporting a mortality rate, ladies and gentlemen, of 0.68, even round up to 0.7. It's still not 3.4%. That's a big deal. Having said that, if infection mitigations and stopping the infection doesn't work, we could be looking at a pretty significant death rate in the United States. We're not here to gloss over anything. Again, how serious is the question, not serious or not. And if the media can't get this story right on the how serious front and keeps reporting death rates from third world countries in many cases that don't share our health system, our CDC, our NIH and our private pharmaceutical industry, that's excellent. I was watching a story this morning. There's a company that was on Fox this morning, apparently says they have a vaccine sequenced already. They're testing now. We'll see where that goes. You're not reporting news by scaring people into believing upwards of three to four percent of people who catch us are going to die. That is likely not what's going to happen here. It doesn't mean it's not serious. But you have to know two things right now. You have to know the infection rate and the mortality rate. It's pretty clear that the infection rate is high. It's highly contagious. Now, another fascinating part of this Wall Street Journal piece, it's worth your time. Ladies and gentlemen, this should be fairly obvious, but isn't to some, especially in the media. Can I just say a point of personal privilege here? Yeah, mm-hmm. man. This really impacted my family, and I'm here for all of you We read your emails as many as we can, but this is not a, this is not a joke, folks. This is really serious. My wife and I both have had pits in our stomach all morning. We were at CPAC. There was someone at CPAC who apparently uh, had the virus. It's become very serious and personal for a lot of people. This is no time for hysteria, cheap shots, or BS. I will be highlighting people who produce this BS so you know who to stay away from. Not to embarrass them on the show, so you went to make sure you know who absolutely are sources of disinformation to block these people and get away from them because they are not helping. That's the reason I'm doing this right now. This is deadly serious. My wife has been reading all... She hasn't unglued her eyes from her phone all weekend on this. This is not a joke. And people need to step up here and start being responsible. Now, second part of this piece, your social network matters. From the piece, it says it better than I can. So there's a researcher, Nick Nicholas Christakis, forgive me if I'm saying your name wrong, has shown there was a similar pattern. They're talking about infection transmission at Harvard when the flu H1N1 flu virus came to Harvard's campus. Quote, the speed with which people acquired the flu during the epidemic depended on various aspects of their social network position. This is important. It goes on, quote, those with more friends, those who were more central in the network and those whose friends did not know each other got the infection, the swine flu, sooner. Again, a fairly obvious point to some, but social isolation, and social distancing, if this gets worse, should be a priority for you. By social distancing, I'm not suggesting anyone out there should go into caves. Anyone out there should become hermits. I'm simply suggesting basic measures. Paula and I, and, and I, I, Paula asked me to put this out on Friday, but I didn't want to sound like a jerk, so I didn't. She's like, I think people understand. If I If I've met you in public over the past few days, I'm not. I just fist bump people. I'm really not trying to be rude. I swear. I'm just out of courtesy to you and me. I, it's not smart for us to exchange our hand bacteria. It's just not. So if I see you, do, please don't take it personal. That guy in the airport I met, and I I wouldn't want to shake your. I'm not. I wasn't being rude. I promise. That should go for everyone. If I go to shake your hand, out of just custom, I I will not take it personal. Give me a fist bump. Give me an elbow. I get it. That quote from that Wall Street Journal article is critical. It basically says people with a lot of friends and whose friends didn't know each other. Meaning what, Joe? They had various right. groups of friends who were not connected to each other, meaning you were parts of numerous social networks, not just one big one. You had a higher likelihood of getting this H1N1 flu virus on that Harvard campus during this study. Again, an obvious point. The takeaway is a simple one too. Social distance matters. We shouldn't be handshaking anymore. I know it's weird. It's not panicking. It's just not necessary. Oh, yeah, give a fist bump. Give an elbow bump. Give a forearm bump. <laughs> give the Mark McGuire Sammy Sosa bump. It, it, you know we can do that. You know, my church suspended the passing of the peace just for that reason. So did so so ours yeah. this weekend, and I thought it was brilliant. The pastor, uh, Father John, said before the mass, "Ladies and gentlemen, a kind wave for the sign, of sign, a, a, a peace sign mm-hmm. at." a little wave, a nod of the head, that's good enough. We don't need to be doing that. Handshaking is an old, bizarre custom to show your opponent in medieval times you were unarmed. You showed him an empty palm, shook your hand to make sure you weren't going to shiv him. I promise, nobody's getting shivved. We don't need to handshake. It's not panicky, it's just common sense advice. Right. All right, now, for the bad news part again. So, takeaways there, what's the R-naught? That's really, what's the infection? How high is this? And what's the mortality rate? Those are two key figures we should base all future commentary on. And we should refrain until we have a solid idea of what those two data points are. Here are, of course, the people not helping at all, doing it deliberately. And the people you should avoid, avoid like the plague, pun intended at this point, because they are absolutely not helping. They are tanking businesses, people's jobs. They are driving store shelves barren. They are creating unnecessary public panic. It is all for nothing. These are very dangerous people at this point saying really stupid things. Here is the the awful, dreadful Nicole Wallace on MSNBC and her co-conspirator here on the panel, practically reveling in the fact that this could be President Trump's Katrina. This I mean, you want to talk about stupid, irresponsible commentary. Listen to this. But I was thinking about this in terms of politics. Right. Uh, we talked about uh, the business community finally not kind of sticking with Donald Trump. But this may be, and, I, you know, Nicole, I should mention this with a little trepidation, but this may be Donald Trump's Katrina. Yeah, you can do trepidation because of <laughs> but, my but, role but, in that. I mean, but, not, let, let, let's just lean into that for yeah. a minute. I mean, Katrina was the moment when all of the things that felt incredibly incompetent about the Bush presidency, the appointment of Harriet Myers to the Supreme Court, the botched attempt to pass Social Security privatization. I mean, I, I lived it. I can go through the whole list were realized we gave them a proof point that we were indeed incompetent and also people died i mean this is this has the making structurally for the same kind of moment but if there's any a moment that would shake that 40 percent, the folks who would allow him to shoot someone and write down if there's any a moment it's this one Uh, how how, i'm not sure i'm honest to god and i'm not using the lord's name in vain i am not sure how any of this helps What is the purpose of that commentary other than to impart upon the president of the United States during a national crisis, severe political damage? What is the point of that? How is that in any way helpful? Relitigating Hurricane Katrina. What does a hurricane in the Gulf Coast have to do at all with the outbreak of a virus in the United States? What? They're not even the same entities. Many of the entities that responded to that There were major mishaps. Weren't the entities responding now? For instance, FEMA doesn't have as significant a role now as they did then for that specific crisis. This is more CDC, NIH. How is this even remotely related? Well, the answer is obvious. Both imparted political damage to Republicans and are now touted as hint, hint, nod, nod. Bush's Katrina. Why? Because campaigns and political operations, as I've only said on this show probably ten thousand or more times, are snapshots and sound bites. Any campaign, any building of political capital, any political momentum, are good pictures and good sound bites. And if the sound bite the media wants out there is this is Trump's Katrina, you will start to hear that over and over and over again. And believe me, it is for one purpose and one person purpose only—to inflict maximum political damage on the president. Now, showing you, please avoid them at all costs. Most of you do anyway, understanding it's a disinformation channel. I'm recommending at all costs you avoid these people. They are destroying our economy right now. Destroying it. We will, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, we will get through this. We are the most powerful country on earth. We have been through pandemics, epidemics, world wars, internal strife, civil disturbances, troubling elections, horrible political candidates, terrible leaders. We have been through it all, and we are still a beacon of light for every other country around the world. There is no safer place to invest your time, your money, your blood, sweat, and tears than the United States of America. We will get through this. There is another side to this. I know it's bad now. I'm not here to downplay anything. I gave you the bad news first, and I want it to settle in. The question is, what are we doing about it? What are the costs? And have we effectively priced those risks yet? We price everything, everything, everything has a cost. Is the media telling you what that cost is or are they focused on politics? Showing you again, another waste of your time, more outlets focused not on solving this problem at all and getting the public r not information, infection rate information, mortality rate information, none of that, focused on a bunch of other stuff. Don't cover that. But this is the important stuff. Here's Chris Hayes from this horrible network, MSNBC, who cares about what we call this thing, by the way. He's very concerned. If you, you can see from his tweet, we just astoundingly gross to call it the Wuhan virus. This is Chris Hayes from MSNBC responding to a tweet by Republican Paul Gosar. He's so offended that we're calling it the Wuhan virus. Why is he doing that? Because Paul Gosar is a Republican. Until you go to CNN's tweet and you find out that CNN was calling it the... Oh, there we go. The Wuhan virus. Oh. Quote CNN. Of all the aspects of the rapidly developing Wuhan virus, let's go to Politico, left-wing Politico. Clearly, they don't call it the Wuhan virus because as Chris Hayes says, this is what they're wasting their time on in the middle of a unquestioned national crisis. Ladies and gentlemen, I know many of you feel the same way me and Paula and Joe do right now. Yes, sir. We feel like we are living through something. The contours and the definition of that something will become clear looking back. I don't know where this is going now. Look at Politico. This is what they're wasting their time with the left. The Trump administration's quarantine and travel ban in response to the Wuhan coronavirus. This is what we're wasting time on. Chris Hayes. This is serious. It's not a joke. These people are treating this like it's some kind of romper room game. Wake up. Here's a story by Legal Insurrection. Showing you again the gravity of this, but how I'm not sure the panic is commensurate with the threat. Legal insurrection by Kimberly Kay. Airlines are now flying empty ghost flights during the coronavirus outbreak to avoid losing flight spots. Apparently in Europe, there's some kind of a regulation that if you don't fly 80% of your legs on a flight, you lose your spot, whether it's terminal space, whatever it may be. Airlines are burning tons of jet fuel to fly empty spaces to not lose their spots. Like, Can't we, as governments and bureaucrats around the world, get our collective heads out of our rectums and figure out this stuff may be, may be a problem? I mean, Gus, why is government always so useless when you need them most? On the other front, something I told you about last week, the Trump administration. Am I even going to mention the other administrations because I'm not making this plan? I don't want to. The Trump administration figured out there were FDA regulations preventing state and local labs from getting their own tests out there from Corona. Trump acted immediately, scrapped it. I'm not kissing the guy's butt. I'm just telling you the truth. That regulation was by another administration. And yet they want to crap on Trump at every opportunity because, as Nicole Wallace said, they want to make this Trump's Katrina. I've got some tweets and some other stuff coming up, like, I, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We have a lot of show today, so just please bear with me. I'm, I'm, listen. I'm as concerned with you about this. I, I, I am. I'm. It's just, I, again, I feel like we're living through something momentous for all the wrong reasons, and I feel like if we're not responsible here, this could be an inflection point. I'm going to get to that in a second on the other side of this. Uh, today's show also brought to you by my friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, ladies and gentlemen. This is, um. Obviously, time to be healthy too. Brickhousenutrition.com slash Dan. We love this stuff. Field of Greens. Listen, it's a new year. Many of us are making resolutions. We're not going to keep because we set expectations way too high. If you want to eat healthier, stay healthy. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a simple solution for you. Field of Greens. We use this stuff all the time in our house. It's a real superfood. It tastes great. We love it in the house. You take one scoop. I put it in water. Sometimes I put it in green tea. Sometimes I put it in V8. It's not like those fake healthcare powders made up of uh, extracts. This is real food, healthy, high quality fruits and vegetables. It's real food. And the difference can be seen right on the bottom. On the back, it has a nutrition facts panel, not supplement facts, because this is real healthy, high quality, organic fruits and vegetables complete with all the antioxidants and good stuff in one scoop. Folks, go today. Pick this stuff up. It's time to be healthy, not mess around. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Get 15% off your first order using promo code Dan. They have a wild berry flavor too. It's delicious. I know Paula loves it. We take it every day. Again, that's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Use promo code Dan. I'm not kidding, folks. I don't. I, you know, we don't choose our sponsors lightly. We don't work with every company that comes forward. This is really good stuff. We take it every day. Stay healthy. High quality fruits and vegetables. One scoop right there every day. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Go today. Pick up a bottle of stuff. It really tastes good. This is important. This is an important time for them. All right. Um, again, folks, this is serious. It's very serious. I can't say that enough. But I can't tell you with a straight face because I, you're my audience. You've dedicated a lot of time to me. I dedicate a lot of time to the show. I can't tell you with a straight face anymore not to go out and stock up on things. I, I wish I could, but I can't. And the problem is, as I was explaining to Paula this weekend and we were talking, I wish everybody was prepared all the time. And I live in a hurricane zone. So many of us down here in South Florida, we're instinctively prepared. We just go out and buy stuff because we just do, because it's good to have it because there's always the, the ever-present threat of hurricanes. Having said that, I'm not suggesting anybody should go out there and panic buy a million different things. You don't need 7 million gallons of bleach. But I would be doing you a disservice right now if I said don't go out and pick up maybe some extra supplies. It's kind of the reasons as sponsors today and last week too. I we want to provide you the ability to do that. But we're in we're living through one big prisoner's dilemma right now. Right. Now, for those of you economists out there, you probably know what I'm talking about. For those of you who are not economists, it's... Pretty simple. It's not difficult. It's pretty much an econ 101 thing. But the prisoner's dilemma is this it's basically a coordination problem. Why do prisons are, even exist when you think about it? You have thousands of prisoners and you only have maybe what, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 guards on duty at any given time. you I mean, think about it. The prisoner's mm-hmm. dilemma in economics is this how come the prisoners don't take over the prison every day? Thankfully, they don't. Well, probably because a lot of them don't want to, but there's still, even if half of them wanted to, they surely have the manpower to take over the prison. The prisoner's dilemma is the reason they don't is because it's probably a coordination problem. In other words, if word starts spreading around the chow hall, God forbid, hey, we're gonna take over the prison today, prisoner A isn't sure prisoner B is gonna follow through. You don't want to right. be the first guy to charge right. and the only guy to charge. Now you're on the ground looking, go, what happened, guys? You're not you're not sure you're adequately coordinated. So the prisoner's dilemma is in these, in these situations like that you're living through one right now with the hoarding what i want to tell you in my heart is don't worry don't go out don't buy extra stuff you don't need it we're going to get through this this is fine the problem is you don't know your neighbor's going to do the same thing that's the that's the danger and if i can just stack that onto the media coverage Hmm. that's the danger inappropriate risk scaling by the media is imparting upon society now all over the world They are getting out information and misinformation in many cases that are making the threat, although severe, more severe, which are which is in incentivizing people to take the most severe action. I need seven thousand cases of toilet paper and a, a, an industrial tank of bleach. Preparedness is great; I recommend it all the time. The question is, did you have to prepare with all of that? And when someone else does it. It's hard, with the prisoner's dilemma, it's hard for me to tell you not to do it. I'm going to let you all figure that out on yourself, but I'm not going to avoid the social psychology of what's going on now. Because it's a troubling yet fascinating study in what would happen in a real, in, in, a, in a pandemic that was more severe with a greater r not and a higher mortality rate. You know, Havelock Ellis has a saying I use often. That civilization is a thin crust on a volcano. He's right. But I'm telling you, I've never been more confident. We will get through this. Take some basic preparedness measures. Take care of your neighbors. Keep an eye out on the seniors in your neighborhood. And we will get through this. I'm not not here for eat your vitamins, take your spinach speeches. I'm just telling you. I'm worried... You should be worried, too. We will get through this. There is another side to this. Again, showing you how the left is firmly committed to the politics of this and not the reality of what's going on. They want to do maximum damage to the president. Here's a tweet by this a complete nutjob on Twitter who seems to have somewhat of a following. The only reason I highlight her tweets is because it, this is one of... I'm not kidding, thousands of tweets about how people at CPAC, where I was, who may have been exposed to someone way corona, should die. Hmm. Um, I tweeted out a few this weekend. A couple people hoped uh, that it was me and Diamond and Silk who were infected. Um, that was just their, their, I had no exposure to this person I know of at all. By the way, I'm, we're fine here, just so everybody understands. But here's a tweet by this crazy person on Twitter. And again, the only reason I put it out there is because this is not uncommon at all. She's replying to Donald Trump. She says oil prices drop. Ports are empty. Treasury yields fall. Airlines cancel flights. Stock market crashes. States declare states of emergency. Are you tired of winning yet? Trump slump. Hashtag market crash. Nice job. There. Psychopath. Crazy person. Not understanding, apparently, Andrea Junker or whatever her name is. I get it. It's probably Junker or something. It's Junker on this show. Junker apparently forgets that people died from this. Families have lost people. Families of lost fathers, mothers, grandparents. People could lose their jobs if this persists in the stock market route. You have oil companies and shale companies that could go out of business. Highly leveraged companies that have massive amounts of loans out there. You know what their operating leverage is, some of these companies? Extremely high. They can't afford to have oil prices at $20 a barrel unbelievable man all right let's move on because there's a lot more to get to a lot showing you again how the media is not helping not only is the media not helping whether it's regards to the 2020 election the coronavirus outbreak or anything else Mm -hmm. they love to add to panic and even worse the media loves to recycle fake news even recycling fake news about fake news. Now, a little background here for those of you who may have forgotten. The term fake news, although frequently attributed to Donald Trump, was not a gaslighting narrative started by Trump. It was started by media people. Many of you forgot this. Do you remember during the 2016 election cycle, right after President Trump won, there was this mainstream left um, mainstream media, but you know, Democrat operatives, what I mean for short, narrative that fake news did it. Russian troll farms are putting out fake stories and they impacted the American population to vote against Hillary and it was all fake news. You remember that? Folks, a lot of you have forgotten this, but if you go back and you cover the timeline of it, I think I covered this in my first book, Spy games mm-hmm. The timeline of events about where the term fake news came from. It was the fake news who made up the term fake news. And the narrative was meant to tell you this bullet point Trump won the election. Because Russians put out fake stories about Hillary. That's the takeaway. You remember that, Joe? I do. It was a remember while ago. That. People forget. Yeah, a long time ago. I Trump then took the term, flipped the script 180 on the Democrats, and started using the fake news term against the media, which infuriated them because they wanted fake news to be an attack point against Republicans. Mm. Look, they only win because they use fake news. Meanwhile, Trump called the media. He's he's excellent at this. They're not done showing you again how these media people love to contribute to chaos and destruction love it but not only they do it they're really not bright because they can't even be creative they're trotting this out again look at this npr tweet here we go right before the 2020 election we're months away now at npr in their twitter feed here we go again folks Russian trolls have evolved their disinformation and agitation techniques now, Joe, to become subtler and tougher to track, according to new research (laughs) unveiled unveiled on Thursday. (laughs) Here we go again, ladies and gentlemen, they are trotting out the exact same campaign playbook, please to footnote hat tip Rush Limbaugh. Don't doubt me, as Limbaugh says all the time, please do not doubt me on this one. Don't doubt Limbaugh, but don't doubt me. This is showing zero elements of creativity whatsoever. It is the exact same playbook. They are prepping the larger public and their media allies, who will now cite this stuff, for a narrative that's going to look like this as we get closer to election day. Get ready for it. Yeah. You heard it here first. If Trump is up in any poll in any state, they're going to say, I saw some Russian ads in that state. It's definitely Pennsylvania (laughs) falling prey again to Russian ads. So, just to be clear, Joe, yeah. Bloomberg and Tom Steyer spent roughly a billion dollars. These two wealthy leftist billionaires. That's right. Couldn't get even, What? what they got one delegate between them, I think, in, in American Samoa, one of them. Mm-hmm. But the Russians are going to spend, what, another million dollars across the whole country on fake Facebook ads? And this is going to flip Pennsylvania and Michigan. What's, yeah, what, the Russians are eating it what, up, baby. March 9th? <laughs> yeah. But Monday, March 9th, <laughs> 11 yeah. 30 uh, Eastern, whatever time it is. Mark the date and time. As we get closer, this will get picked up and cited. This movement pro-Trump or whatever it is, if Trump makes any move in a positive direction anywhere, they will go right back to it's clearly fake news disseminated by the Russians. They have zero creativity whatsoever. They are not smart. Now, you may say, is that it? (laughs) No, that's not it. They're going to go back to some other stuff too, showing you how it's already spreading into the media ecosystem this, it's Republican fake news, Joe. It's Republicans doctoring videos. It's Republicans editing content. That's the only reason that Trump is doing well in the polls. It's already started. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yeah, right. You're like, let me see, because Joe didn't get to see He only gets to see the videos before. (laughs) Check this (laughs) baby out. So here is a tweet by the New York Times suggesting that a, quote, manipulated video Featuring Biden and spread by President Trump has ratcheted up an online war that's put Twitter and Facebook oh. in the middle of a debate Jeez. over political speech. Folks, I'm going to show you the video in a second. It's oh. short. It's a Biden. Oh. This was not manipulated. It may be edited for time and put on TV. It was not doctored. Was not Joe did not manipulate this. No, sir. I did not manipulate this. This is a clean. Now, it's not the whole speech. And let me be clear before I play it. Biden goes on to correct himself later. But the campaign is under no obligation whatsoever to include Biden's correction. He's obviously here not endorsing President Trump. The reason political campaigns are now putting out. Republican campaigns and the Trump campaign, obviously. Videos of Joe Biden stumbling constantly over his own words is because the man's running to be president of the United States during a crisis. We at least want him to know he's all there. But the Times, again, parroting the fake news narrative, look at what Republicans did, are suggesting we manipulate his videos and not been manipulated. Check this out. Turn this primary from a campaign that's about negative attacks into one about what we're for, because we cannot get reelect. We cannot win this re-election. Excuse me. We can only reelect Donald Trump. Now, again, to be fair to sleepy, creepy Joe, he goes on then to correct himself. I'm not endorsing Trump. folks. Come on. Are you do, do, does the New York Times really think the public is that dumb that they believe Joe Biden's endorsing Donald Trump? I, I'm serious. I'm not messing with you. It's not. a. It's a serious. It's not a rhetorical question. I, I mean that. Does anyone out there really believe Joe Biden is endorsing there when he says we have to reelect Donald Trump? That was not why the cut was put out there. The cut was put out there to reflect the fact that Joe Biden does not appear to have a good grasp on anything lately. Yeah. This man is going to have the nuclear codes. It's a fair question to ask about what his status is. And even if the media tells you it's not a fair question, that's because they're fake news. No one believes Biden endorsed Trump. That wasn't manipulative. Those are his actual words. Again, they are going right back to 2016. Let me show you this Ryan Lizza, CNN joker, a political guy. I don't even know where this guy's from. Suggesting again, a quote and a tweet. I didn't realize this was a whole coordinated thing. The disinformation campaign being launched against Biden. What? Of course, Lizza's putting out a warning sign to all his fellow liberals that, listen, anytime a conservative commentator mentions Biden's stumbles and gas and potential mental state, we're supposed to say this is fake news just on cue, Joe. Just like I told you, <laughs> NPR had signaled before. It's all fake news. Maybe the Russians did it. Did you get your directive today? So just to be clear, that's <laughs> but, right. yeah. that's Ryan Lizza, leftist, I believe CNN and Politico commentator, suggesting it's a disinformation campaign to comment on this candidate showing obvious signs of a mental decline. Any commentary, Joe, is disinformation. I hear you, man. That's his principles, right? Yeah. I'm just putting that out there. So, Joe, if those are his principles, would it be fair to say Mm. that commenting on Trump's mental state would then be disinformation, too? Uh, Absolutely. Would, right? Yeah. Okay, well, let's put up a tweet by the same guy. Same guy. Same guy, Ryan Lizza. Quote, he quotes this piece in the Star. Once unmentionable, questions about Trump's mental health have started to bubble into respectable American forms. Again, showing you, ladies and gentlemen, these are the real sources of disinformation. Don't dare comment on Joe Biden's mental state, despite obvious signs of some serious trouble. But when it comes to Trump, open season, baby, it's a duck hunt. Frauds. Nothing but total frauds. Okay, on this, I'm not done with this block yet. I'm going to go to two separate stories. That may seem unrelated to my headline here, that the media 2020, they're going right back to fake news is going to help elect Trump. I think we made that point pretty clear. It's already started. Mm -hmm. Comments on Biden's mental health, fake news, disinformation. There are a couple of other things they're going back to as well. They need to resuscitate for 2020 that are simply recycled 2016 garbage, and they are doing it with zero shame at all. Folks, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Liquid IV. Great company to have on board right now. Half of Americans report they fight daily with fatigue. You don't want to be. We got busy lives. You got soccer moms and dads out there. You got to get through the workday, come home, take care of the kids. You have your focus, your motivation suffers, poor mood, unhappiness. Nobody wants that. Liquid IV's energy multiplier gives you sustained energy throughout the day. It fights fatigue without the crash. Paula loves this stuff. Paula, before she gets on her echelon bike to do her workout there, Paula takes the liquid IV energy multiplier. How much you like it? I take it before the workout. I know you love it. It's a perfect replacement for morning coffee and an all-natural alternative to some of these processed energy drinks. Premium matcha and green energy blend tastes delicious, promotes a, promotes a lasting energy boost throughout the day. Helps me get through these really long days. The nice part is the packs, they're really simple. You just pour it in a bottle of water, TSA safe. It tastes delicious. Shake it up, drink it. It's fatigue fighting. You'll get a boost. from a, a, You would get from a couple of cups of coffee without that dreaded crash. It has a mixture of teas and herbs and high in antioxidants as well. Helps improve your mood and your focus. It's a healthier alternative to traditional energy drinks and coffee with no artificial flavors or preservatives. They use this liquid IV cellular transport technology to deliver an optional ratio an optimal ratio of nutrients for more efficient uptake. As enhanced rapid absorption into the bloodstream gives you a lasting energy boost, powers your mornings and fuels super long days. Again, TSA-friendly single-serving package, perfect for travel. Stay focused, liquid IV. Their energy is the energy you get from this is great. Go to liquidiv.com. Use promo code Bongino at checkout and get 25% off. That's 25% off anything you order on Liquid IV's website. Just go to liquidiv.com, enter promo code Bongino. Ladies and gentlemen, they also have their hydration multiplier, which I highly recommend. Stay hydrated, especially now during this flu season. Go to liquidiv.com, get 25% off everything off their site. They have their sleep, they have their energy solution, and their hydration multiplier. That's liquidiv.com, promo code Bongino. Go, Today, don't wait. Start fueling your adventures today. Check this stuff out. It's super good. LiquidIV.com, promo code Bongino. Okay, Okay. thank you. All right. So other broken, disgusting, filthy 2016 media narratives, in addition to the media's fake news elected Trump narrative, which are resurrecting again, saw a piece in the Daily Caller this weekend. And Actually, I saw it first in the the dreadful Daily Beast, Um, but I saw it again at the Daily Caller, a much better outfit here. Ah, Christopher Steele, far left Daily Beast, is trying to resuscitate his career, apparently. Christopher Steele, remember the author of the hoax dossier? Yeah. So Chuck Ross has this article up, up in the show notes. Please join my email list, bongino.com slash newsletter. I'll send you these articles every morning. We don't spam your inbox. Christopher Steele discusses dossier at university event and, quote, defends what we did. That's interesting, ladies and gentlemen, Christopher Steele is defending his sources for the dossier that has been discredited 72 different ways from Sunday. And why? Because, ladies and gentlemen, the Democrats are not creative, nor are their media allies. They are not that smart. They know the entire case in 2016 to spy on Donald Trump was based on Christopher Steele's dossier. So they feel like the only way going forward to save the case against Trump is to resuscitate Steele's reputation along with the fake news narrative. Now, what's fascinating about the story, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because it's so transparently obvious what the takeaway is. I just want to warn you, the resurrection of Christopher Steele's reputation by left-wing media hacks has begun. Because number one, Christopher Steele, takeaway number one, that Christopher Steele's dossier, that I believe he was only a partial author of, by the way, is all the Democrats in the media ever had to attack Trump. You understand where I'm yeah, going with yeah. this? Yeah, sure. There is no option B. The dossier is the case to spy on Trump. It's the only case. They have no other choice now than to lie to you and suggest that the dossier author's motives were pure and his sources may have been correct. Watch. You'll see this over the coming months. Take it to the bank. Ladies and gentlemen, the second takeaway is Steele can say all he wants that what we did was noble, and I believe in my sources, despite the fact that the dossier has been debunked. The hardcore bottom line, put a line under a takeaway from this entire thing, is Christopher Steele's sources have already spoken to the FBI and have already told the FBI that Christopher Steele is full of it. Shh. Steele can say all he wants. My sources were great. His sources are telling the FBI, No, we're not great. This is false information. It doesn't matter. They will desperately try to resuscitate the reputation of this Christopher Steele. His motives were pure. He was a really nice guy. Mm. He's such a sweetheart because that's all they have, folks. Finally, on this fake news media block, resurrecting broken 2016 narratives, got a lot of emails about this one. What's going on here? You mention this name all the time. Remember the names. You're right. Remember the names is correct. Remember the name Eric Prince? Oh, yeah. Eric Prince was a associated with the Trump orbit. His sister is a Trump cabinet official. Yeah. His sister is Betsy DeVos, the education secretary. Eric Prince was the former head of Blackwater. Now he sold the company since. But I've told you many times, I believe Eric Prince was part of the Russian collusion setup, just like George Papadopoulos and Carter Page. People who were introduced to Russians Not because they wanted to introduce them to Russians, but because those people were in the Trump orbit and they wanted to make it appear that people in the Trump orbit were colluding with nefariously Russians. It was a setup, I have no doubt. Prince was one of those people. It's a long story I've covered on the show quite a bit, but he's introduced to this head of the Russian Direct Investment Fund. The Russian Direct Investment Fund had this intersection with these Clinton bundlers. He was introduced by a guy, George Nader, who introduced Prince to this Russian George Nader conveniently later becomes a Bob Mueller source. Nader's later arrested and charged with some pretty disturbing crimes himself. It's pretty clear Eric Prince was set up to look like he was colluding with Russians. Mm-hmm. So I see this story sent to me by a number of eagle-eyed viewers this weekend. They said, damn, what's going on here? New York Times is back to covering Eric Prince again. Oh, yeah, it's not for the reasons you think, though. So here it is, Matt Bazzoli and Adam Goldman from the New York Times again. again? Oh my gosh, this guy, Adam Goldman, <laughs> oh, always seems to get leaks from the intel community. I use the air quotes because these people aren't <laughs> interested in intelligence. They're interested in political attacks. Goldman has been one of the lead spy gate hoaxers from the start. Amazingly gets this story right on time this weekend, March 7, 2020. Headline, Eric Prince recruits ex-spies to help infiltrate liberal groups. Ooh. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that sounds nefarious. Oh. By known Spygate co-plotter here, uh, or, or I should say propaganda artist Adam Goldman, who amazingly gets these leaks all the time. Ladies and gentlemen, you think this is a mistake? You think this is just a coincidence that the rehabilitation of Christopher Steele and his reappearance this weekend as covered by the Daily Beast? Christopher Steele, we did it right, man. You think it's a coincidence that Steele reappears? The media starts covering how, hey, he had pure motives. While at the same time, an article appears with known spy gay propagandist, Adam Goldman in the New York Times, from an intel community leaker, suggesting that, hey, people associated with the Trump team, who, by the way, may have been set up, they were using foreign spies to get information too. You didn't put those two and two together. Some of You did. I got a lot of smarties out there. Mm. I get your emails. Some of you give me ideas for the show. You're so bright. A lot of you picked that up. Some of you may have missed that. Folks, if you believe this is a coincidence, I have a bridge over in Palm City here, not far from my house. I'll sell you on the cheap. Now, let me just put bottom line up front. The new narrative being recycled is going to be, well, Steele wasn't a bad guy after all. Who knows? Some of this stuff may be legitimate, even though it's been thoroughly debunked. And hey, look, Republicans do it too. They talk to foreign spies too. Happens all the time. No big deal. Do you get it? (laughs) Paulie? did you get that? No? You didn't get the connection there? Joe, what about you? Does it make sense? Yeah. Am I one for two? One for two. Okay, thanks. Joe got it. I I have to make sure, (laughs) folks, because I can't leave you. I just want you to understand, none of, this is all coordinated. Now, am I suggesting Goldman from the New York times coordinated with the daily Bee. No, I'm not suggesting that at all. Right. I'm telling you the people behind the Spygate scandal, many, some may know each other. Some may not like to leak narratives that do maximum damage. Mm -hmm. They know the dossier is going to become a story again by dorm. So they're going to write it off as, Hey, Christopher Steele was a really good guy. There were just some mistakes. That'll be the cover for them. In other words, he wasn't the center of the biggest spying scandal in American history. And narrative number two to hurt Trump is going to be like, look, this Trump associated guy, Eric Prince, who met with the Russians, they were using foreign spies like Christopher Steele, too. It's not so bad. Goldman just doesn't know. Yeah, that's right. Goldman just doesn't understand that he's part of a propaganda operation because he's not that bright either. Or maybe he does. I like to err on the benefit of the doubt, but you can form your own opinions. You're all adults. Watch. You're always a few months ahead of the news cycle if you're listening here. All right, let me move on because there was another important interview last night in 60 Minutes. Uh, Fiona Hill, who... You know, and I, I was on this morning with on Fox & Friends with Brian Kilmeade. It was a little back and forth between us. Brian seems to think Fiona Hill was doing some good by by talking about... Let me give you some background first before I get into that. That was that was, um, that was not, not a good way to open it. Right. Fiona Hill is a National Security Council advisor specializes on Russian and regional interests. She was there for the Obama administration. She was there for the Trump administration too. She was also a key impeachment witness. She was the one who said, John Bolton said that the Ukraine thing was a drug deal. She's also the one who falsely, and I believe disingenuously stated at the impeachment hearing, which she repeated last night, I'll play the cut, That Ukrainian interference in the 2016 election is Russian disinformation and a fictional narrative. It's not. That's who Fiona Hill is. Sorry, I should have opened up with that. Having said that, she reappeared last night on 60 Minutes, continues to propagate nonsense, and I believe she is not helping. The back and forth I get into a little bit with Brian, which I always appreciate because I like to be tested on the air and elsewhere. During the interview, Fiona Hill at, at times appeared to defend Donald Trump. Fine, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. But again, I'm not here to defend or not defend people. I'm here to defend the facts. And what Fiona Hill said last night on 60 Minutes, in a candidly bizarre interview at times, some of it is patently false disinformation itself. Listen to the cut. I'll come back and provide the evidence, and you can decide for yourself. Check this out. This whole issue of uh, blaming Ukraine for meddling in the 2016 election that you spoke out against during the hearings. I mean, that really isn't it. That really is spreading Russian disinformation, right? This is um, very much a fictional narrative that uh, has been propagated by the Russian intelligence services. And, And a lot of those Republicans were promoting it. And do they not know that it's Russian disinformation? Members of Congress have been briefed repeatedly on issues like this. What about the Democrats? Have they also propagated any Russian disinformation? Yes, they have. Mm. Now, she goes on talking about how, I didn't want to play the whole rest of the clip, but again, in her defense, in the interest of time, she says, Democrats, the misinformation they've been promoting is that Trump is an illegitimate president. Well, of course, I mean, that's obvious. But I said this morning, and I stand by this, I don't know Miss Hill, it's not personal. She is embarrassing herself. Either she doesn't know what she's talking about with regards to the Ukrainian 2016 documented interference in our election, or she doesn't, she's lying. Folks, I'm just being candid with you. I don't know which one is true because she's not stupid. There is no way she doesn't know this. Now, when I say this, what is the this? Well, regular listeners have seen this show before. I've seen this piece before. Forgive me. Here is a Politico piece, a left-wing outlet. No Friends of Donald Trump, by Kenneth Vogel and David Stern, a well-researched piece from January of 2017, one of the few times that happens at Politico. Quote, Ukrainian efforts to sabotage Trump backfire. Folks, this piece has never been retracted. Yeah. It is still there because it is true. Did the Russians interfere in our election in 2016? Yes. Yes. Have they interfered in every election since the pre Soviet Union? uh, I mean, pre Russia Soviet Union? Yes. Yeah. That is a separate, distinct argument from the known Ukrainian collusion Miss Hill is suggesting is fictional. It is not fictional. A Ukrainian lawmaker, lawmaker, not the bagel shop owner. By the name of Sergei Leshenko held a press conference talking about the fictional Black Ledger, which alleged payments to Trump's campaign manager, Paul Manafort, which we now know was a fraud. The Black Ledger held a press conference about it. You can go watch it. That Black Ledger is alleged by many people in the know to have been passed to Democrat Party operatives who then used it to pass to the press to dismantle the Trump campaign and decapitate it by taking out its then campaign manager, Paul Manafort. None of that is in dispute. None of it. Nellie Orr, spouse to Bruce Orr, the number four official in the Department of Justice during the time spy game was happening, was working for the company, Fusion GPS, paid by Hillary's team to target Trump, And Nellie Orr's on the record, having raised her right hand on Capitol Hill, saying on the record that she was getting her information about Trump from who? Leshenko, the same Ukrainian lawmaker who we know was involved in the distribution of the Black Ledger. Now, again, to be fair, Leshenko denies any correspondence with Nellie Orr. Nellie Orr has not retracted that statement, however. The Ukrainian ambassador to the United States wrote an op-ed. Was the op-ed this positive? Did it sway 60 million voters? No. Attacking Donald Trump. Ukrainian government officials put up Facebook posts attacking Donald Trump. There is a Ukrainian staff member, Andrei Teloshenko, who has said repeatedly that there was an effort by Blue Star Strategies, a company hired by Hunter Biden's company Burisma to influence U.S. lawmakers, Mm. that he worked there, that there was some suspicious activity there. Teleshenko has said repeatedly on the record that he had meetings with people in the Ukrainian embassy who asked him to work with Democrats to hurt Donald Trump. That's on the record. Whether you believe him or not is up to you. You can determine his credibility. But that is there for any journalist to look at. By the way, this stuff is covered in the Ukraine piece I just showed you. You can look at it yourself all avoided by Leslie Stahl magically last night, who is, by the way, 60 Minutes is a garbage show. I watch it only to see what disinformation they're putting out. But the irony of this, that 60 Minutes of all places, a once-respected news outlet is now full-time Pravda-like disinformation while claiming we're promoting disinformation is, I mean, an unbelievably ironic slap in the face. The Ukraine's efforts, excuse me, Ukraine's efforts, Ukraine's efforts in 2016 and key lawmakers to interfere in our election by attacking Donald Trump are open and out there and are documented facts. It is not a Russian hoax. It is not a fictional narrative. Do the Russians benefit from that Ukrainian narrative? Interference being exposed. Let me be clear on this. They probably do. And they probably want to make sure the story keeps going because why, Joe? It takes some of the blame off them. I have no doubt about that. That's a fair point for Miss Hill to make. But claiming Ukrainian interference in our election is fictional. Is fictional itself. She knows this. And I don't care if later on she's like praising Trump or whatever in her backhanded compliments. She is actively promoting severe disinformation in the U.S. electorate by suggesting we're all crazy for highlighting known documented facts. All right. Just one last thing. Paula, can we skip that other political piece? I want to get to that tomorrow. I got a really interesting article for tomorrow. Please don't miss tomorrow's show. On election 2020 notes about how the Trump campaign, their efforts to get data. This is really interesting. I, I don't have enough time today, but I promise I'll get to you more. Just one quick story on a lighter note, showing you again how these liberal frauds are elsewhere. Check out the story in the New York Post. For those of you who don't remember this guy, this guy, Carlos Maza, this guy is a deplatformer in chief, okay? YouTube socialist Carlos Maza, this will be in the show notes today, slams the wealthy but lived in luxury by John <laughs> Levine, New York Post. About that, This guy, Carlos Maza, (laughs) for those of you who forget, was the guy leading the effort to get Steven Crowder, conservative, uh, he's a commentator and comedian, has a big YouTube channel. Maza was the guy leading the effort to get him demonetized and thrown off YouTube. He's a socialist, a self-proclaimed communist, this guy Maza. Oh, now we find out in the Levine story. Check out one of his tweets, by the way. These are are the frauds these guys are. This is from this guy, Carlos Maza. He's at Gay Wonk on Twitter. Just found out James Carville, who spends his time lecturing Democrats for being too far left, lives in an absolutely obscene four-story mansion. And dear God, can we stop taking political advice from the ultra-wealthy? That's his tweet, Joe. <laughs> Dude. Listen to this one. You know where he's registered to vote? <laughs> I live in Florida. I know this area. He's, I'm not gonna say where. Uh, I'll give it general, but I, you know, unlike them, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter because conservatives don't do this anyway. Liberals do. But in the interest of He's registered in Boca, Joe. Boca. Very wealthy part of Boca, I met him. Yeah. In a home he was registered to vote that sold just in 2018. What, 100,000, 200,000, 300, 500? Huh? He hates wealthy people. 600. I mean, what's a wealthy home? 800 million? 5 million. 7? 8? 9? No way. Can't be registered a $9 million home. Come on. Hey, nine and a half. Nine seven five. 10.8 million dollar house. The bourgeois. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those, those the bourgeois. The bougies. Bougies. Oh, <laughs> they're the worst. The guy's raised mom is super wealthy. <laughs> oh, dude. Great. I'm a capitalist. Great. Good for you. Mom apparently is involved with some software company. Good for you. I think <laughs> your name is Vivian. Good job, Viv. I'm not kidding. Tell your son he's a huge colossal fraud registered to vote in a $10.8 million mega mansion in Boca. These are your liberal overseers and masters if you're a psychotic Borg-like ultra leftist. These are the people leading your movement. <laughs> millionaire Bernie and millionaire Mazza. Frauds. What a joke. All right, folks. Stay tuned. The whole week's going to be a serious week. It's a lot going on. And just again, we are the greatest country on earth. We'll get through this. We'll get through it together, I promise you. I appreciate, really, sincerely appreciate you coming to my show for information. It means a lot to me during this time of crisis. Joe, me, and I know I speak for Paula and everyone associated with the show, Drew as well. We deeply appreciate it and we will do our best to get you informed, fact-based data and more importantly, to tell you who to avoid. Really important. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.